0: Neath the load of guilt and shame.
1: that song, and yeah, no, that may be my new favorite that he does. But we're still going to have him sing O Holy Night, so um, I like them both. Okay, well turn your Bibles with me to Proverbs chapter 4 tonight, and uh, I'm sure that everybody out there got notes. Anybody miss getting notes tonight? Okay, we still have some notes. We'll get them for these young people up here. Proverbs chapter 4. And we have uh, seen this verse in another one of the sermons in the series, but we're going to go back to it tonight, Proverbs chapter 4. And I wish I could tell you that here in this last sermon of the series that we were going to deal with a light and fluffy and fun topic, but we're not. We're dealing with the most dangerous topic that we've dealt with so far. And I believe that Satan is intensely opposed to us, even... Talking about this topic tonight uh, The sign is, is the attendance uh, that, that Satan would not want 40 to 50 people who normally come on Sunday nights To even hear this message Because there is a huge epidemic Not in America In Christianity With pornography And uh, tonight we're going to cover the topic I know that some of you have small children um, and we're going to say some things that they may ask questions about later, and, and I want you to know that that's good. It's good that they would ask questions, and it's good that you would talk with them about it. And it's good that you would talk with your teens about this topic. Um, a lot of parents like to sweep it under the rug and act like it doesn't exist, but it most certainly exists. And So we're going to talk about it tonight at a... Let's just all, you know, be focused on what God would have for us and uh, try to get what God wants for us out of the message. Proverbs chapter 4, verse number 23. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. We've talked about some of the, the big traps that teens face in the year 2012. And I don't know that there's any trap it attaches to the heart and to the addictive side of human beings more quickly than pornography. Um, it is a drug that is more potent than crack cocaine to the brain. And we're going to talk about you know some of the chemicals involved in that in just a minute. But it it's really is an epidemic. And it, it may be the most alluring trap of all for teens. We are all sinners. Sin is the epidemic... But in our hearts, we have sins that attach themselves to these traps. And it can be one of the most destructive things that, that you could face. And uh, I, I can tell you uh, from being in ministry for, uh, I don't even remember how many years now, 18 years, that it is one of the traps that I've seen destroy and tear people's souls apart and tear families apart. And yeah, so it truly is an epidemic. Let me give you some numbers to start off with. These are just mind, mind-numbing. Uh, 12% of all the websites in the world contain pornography. 25% of all search engine requests are related to pornography. Um, 280,000 people view pornography every second, or the, there are that many viewing it every second. 75 million uh, visitors to adult websites between 2005 and 2008. 43% of all internet users view pornographic material. 75% of people have accidentally viewed a pornographic site. 81% of Americans uh, believe federal laws against internet obscenity should be vigorously enforced. By the way... Um, pornography is legalized internet prostitution. That's all that it is. It is legalized debauchery. Now, all across the United States, in just about every state and county except for someone in uh, Nevada down below us, uh, pr- prostitution is against the law. But pornography is legal. And it is a huge epidemic across our nation. 266 new pornographic websites pop up every day online. 3,000 English language websites distribute child pornography. One in seven is the number of youths who report being solicited for online sex. 11 is the age at which the average child is first exposed to adult material. 7 in 10, that's the number of children who've inadvertently viewed online pornography while doing their homework. Um, 1,536 is the number of sites featuring child pornography in 2008. So this study's even a few years old. 58% of those sites are housed in the United States. And we wonder why we have trouble. Uh, We worry more about oil spills than we do about debauchery spills in our nation. 48% of kindergarten and first grade students have reported seeing online content that made them feel uncomfortable. 34% of teenage girls have shared photos or physical descriptions of themselves online compared to 15% of teenage boys. $3,075 is the amount of money spent on internet pornography every second. $13 billion is the estimated revenue generated by pornography in the US just for the year 2006. And across the world, it is a $97 billion annual industry. Um, A couple other numbers for you to note 40 million US adults regularly view pornography. Promise Keeper Men. This is a Christian organization who did a survey within their own group, and they said that out of Promise Keeper Men, that fifty-three percent of the men in the survey said that they had seen pornography in the last week. Fifty-three percent. Forty-seven percent Christians who said that it is a problem in their home. The breakdown of visitors. And this blew me away. I didn't know this. 72% are men, which obviously would, we would understand. 28% of visitors to pornographic sites are women. Um, 60% of the money spent by those in pornography industry are people with incomes over $50,000 a year. So this is not a sin of the poor. This is a sin of everyone. Uh, this is not a selective type sin. In fact, you know, we're talking to young people tonight because it's such a huge trap for them because once it gets into their brain, it addicts them for life. Yeah, there, there's a huge danger of that. But 45% of all internet users who view pornography are between the ages of 35 to 54 years old. Now those are just some numbers. We're going to get into your notes tonight. And uh, here's what I want you to understand. A lot of people, are, when I say the word pornography, you're thinking, oh, well, pastor, that's just the, the really bad stuff. And uh, what I want you to understand spiritually is that we ought to have a different definition. And uh, here's what it should be. Pornography is any type of media, words, photographs, movies, or music that stimulates sexual excitement. What may be harmless-looking can be the first step down a slippery slope toward the polluted water that distorts God's beautiful plan for marriage. And and so there are many venues in media that promote this type of mentality. Um, The great majority of primetime television shows are nothing more than pornographic promotions, Basically, what they do. They promote lifestyles um, that idolize adultery, that idolize homosexuality, that make everything that is against God's word the norm for their lives. And, And so we have to be very careful that we define it properly, that we keep it in perspective, and that we view it as the trap that it truly is. So let's get into your notes, and we'll go to some other scripture tonight as we go through this. For parents, let's talk, number one, about this. Pornography is a lie. Pornography is a lie. Every time it is a lie, while offering a fulfillment of fantasy, it actually perverts something beautiful created by God. And so people go into it thinking that, that there's a fantasy that will please them, that will make them happy, and it actually does just the very opposite. The focus, uh, this is in your notes, the focus on sensual pleasure becomes a drug. The actual brain chemical is called dopamine. Dopamine is a chemical in your brain that is released um, when there is any type of physical addiction. And so, pornography becomes not only a mental addiction, but a physical addiction. And dopamine is D-O-P-A-M-I-N-E. And this particular addiction blots out the rest of their lives. They become um, people who live in a body, who live in a home, but they have a total alternate lifestyle. And it's hidden. So, nobody knows about it, right? So... So they can live this way for years at a time, but it always goes further and further and further. And it drags them down further and further and further. And then all of a sudden, your junior high high school teacher from Meridian is arrested on child pornography charges. Or the principal of a school in eastern Idaho is imprisoned because he tried to meet students who were under 16 years old over the internet. And it's in the paper every week. And this is out in society. You say, well, pastor, we're, we're churchgoers. It doesn't affect us. It affects us. It affects us. Um, it affects family after family within God's family. And so we have to be aware that it, it's a complete lie. Um, there, is, there are fantasies that, that we attach our brains to. Um, I was talking to the guys in the finance committee meeting about Disneyland. I don't know how we even got on the topic. Um, how many you ever been to Disneyland? Ever been to Disneyland? It's where all your dreams come true, right? For, for about eight hours. They come true. And then you leave. And you go out of the parking lot, and Mickey and Minnie are behind you. Or what's worse, the dreams may fade right there while you're in the park. When your kid goes up to get Mickey's signature and realizes it's just a girl in a suit right? The fantasy is gone. It's blown away. But although we sort of figure those things out, and I won't talk about Santa Claus or any of that stuff because I don't know what's your kids thing. Autumn figured out a few weeks ago that um, a certain person who gives money for teeth that go out of the head, um, that that's not a real thing, and it was a pretty devastating time in our home. So, um, And she's almost 12, but she, she finally got there and figured that one out. But, but most of our fantasies we overcome, and, and we understand it's not real. Pornography is a fantasy that continues in your mind, and you continue to think it is real. And it becomes a, an alternate reality. So it is a complete lie that people begin to live. Um, and number two, we, under, we need to understand it's a lie. We need to understand number two. We will model integrity before our children by turning away from any form of evil that will pollute our lives and families. Look at Psalm 101. And this is why I would be very careful as a Christian parent um, what it is that you're watching on TV and, and what it is that you're allowing your young people to watch on TV because it, it's, it's just another door. It's an introduction into this fantasy world, and, and so you have to be careful. Now our kids, you know, they told us the other day, Dad, we're tired of bewitched reruns on the DVR. Can we get something else besides the Little House on the Prairie? You know, and so we'll try to find some new ones. Maybe Hogan's Heroes. Everybody needs to hear Schultz yell for a while, and uh, we'll find something else for them to watch. But as long as they're in our home, modern. Primetime television, it's not even an option. It's not even an option because it is just a doorway into this fantasy land of pornography. Let me give you an example of how this could happen. A child is watching maybe something on a Disney channel, okay? A primetime Disney program, which of course is safe, right? Primetime Disney, perfectly safe for kids. You might want to check that out. Because they may find an actress that they like who was on a show eight or nine years ago, and they may want to know more about her. And so they go on Google to Google her name. And now she's on a celebrity pornography site. And that drags them into the underworld, this fantasy world that they've never been to. But once they get there, their mind's going to keep going back to it. And they're going to keep inventing new ways to get to that information. And so we have to be so careful as parents that we are not the ones who become a stumbling block to our own children in this. So model integrity. Psalm 101, verse 2. I will behave myself wisely in a perfect way. Oh, when wilt thou come unto me? Now look, look at this next phrase, and there's some words you might want to underline. I will walk within my house. With a perfect heart. Where does the Christian life start? It starts in your house. Um, it, having the right attitude toward God starts in your own house. Verse 3 is a great promise. I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. I hate the work of them that turn aside. It shall not cleave to me. A froward heart shall depart from me. I will not know a wicked person. Now, these are some bold pronouncements. You say... Did David write this? No, God wrote it. Right? That's what you always have to remember about the Bible. God wrote it. Okay? Do you think that David, if he had been the human author of this, would have decided to put 2 Samuel 12 in the Bible? Anybody know what 2 Samuel 12 is? David's interlude with Bathsheba? No, David would not have wanted that in there. He would have wanted the record purged. But God put it in there. He helps us to understand that we all face struggles. We all face difficulties in our hearts and our minds. And, And so we have to have some huge courage to make pronouncements like this and then to follow them through. Another one. Many parents don't realize that their own magazines and shows lead their children toward polluted lives. A lot of parents, just they just don't really know, realize that when they're reading People Magazine or whatever it is, Us Weekly or Red Book or whatever show they're watching, that's just another door into fantasy land. I have to tell you, God really doesn't want you caring about what some actress is doing in some city being photographed doing. God has no intent for His people to know that stuff. God doesn't need the latest gossip column inside the local church. He he wants us to focus on Him and meditate on Him. They say, Pastor, you're old-fashioned. Listen, we better be old-fashioned in this. Because if we're not, we're going to have children who face issues that this world faces, and it's not pretty. Um, I, I told you probably early in the series that last year my wife had gotten some some magazines from one of her niece's um, subscription, and she got one for Autumn that was for 10-year-old girls, 10 to 11-year-old girls. And um, it's still been coming because it comes the whole year, and we we wouldn't let Autumn have the magazine at all. Um, and then Amy started tearing pages out and would give her the rest of the magazine to let her read about you know, hair bows or whatever it was. Um, But in the magazine, she just tore a bunch of pages out and threw them in the fire the other night. I saw her. She told me, listen, here's what it said. There was a write-in column by a 13-year-old girl asking the question about she's already had an abortion and she wants to know how far she should go with her new boyfriend. Now, this is a magazine in our culture for 11-year-old girls. And she told me some of the other ones that were just as, as bad. And at some of the issues that parents were facing, it, read the worldly columns what parents are facing. My 15-year-old is sneaking out and drinking, and he's addicted to sex already, and I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. Now, now thank God that there are parents who still are parents. You don't have to hand the reins over to the devil for your kids. You can actually be the mom and dad God wants you to be, but it's going to take some courage. You cannot let your little kid run you over now because when they become 14 or 15 and all of a sudden this debauchery enters their life, if they've run you over for all these years, now they're going to run you over again. And you're going to put your head in the sand like an ostrich and say, I don't see anything, I don't hear anything, so it's not happening. It is happening. And a lot of times you know it's happening on their phone, on their game thing that has Wi-Fi, on whatever it is in your house that can access the Internet. You have to have some courage to check these things out. So parents, it's your job. Number three, we will be prayerfully alert in how this issue may affect our child. It really, we all have to pray every time. And here's one of the prayers that we often pray for our kids. We say, God, would you help us to see things before they happen? See things that are on the way, and, and then have the wisdom to know what to do about it, and the courage to actually do it have the wisdom to know what to do about it, and the courage to actually do it. It's not easy to sit down and talk to your kids about this stuff. Not easy. It takes courage. But parents have to do it. And parents are the ones who have to be much in prayer about how God would have them to live their lives. Underneath this, I'll give you an important one. Don't assume... That your child hasn't or won't have a problem. Don't assume that your child hasn't or won't have a problem. That would be a horrible assumption to make. Um, I I read a lot of pastor's periodicals and see things and, and I'll tell you this. Pastor's periodicals, when they do surveys on this topic, they will tell you that one in seven pastors... One in seven pastors in the United States has a pornography addiction. Right? Now that's what one in seven is, maybe 15, 16%. Um, The general population of Christians say one in four. Promise keepers, those said 53%. 53%. It is as close to your home as you could possibly get. And a lot of parents just don't know it. They they are sticking their heads in the sand, and they assume, well, my little kid is totally innocent and free, and they're watching Leave it to Beaver episodes, and things are great at our house. We only watch I Love Lucy. But your kid could be involved in something that will devastate their lives. You know what a lot of times they're hoping that will happen? If they're a Christian kid, you know what they're hoping They're hoping that you'll talk to them about it. They're hoping that you'll catch them because they don't enjoy this spiral that's dragging them down. They don't enjoy it. But the fantasy has grabbed their mind. And so parents, it's a big deal for you. Let's talk to teens for a minute. Let's talk to teens. All right, go to Proverbs chapter 5. Proverbs chapter 5. There's a lot to say in Proverbs about this thing called the strange woman. And she was a woman who was there to entice men. And obviously, the strange woman of the new century is pornography. Pornography's been around for a long time, but it's so accessible now. And it's such a tragedy. um, We were in Europe a year or two ago, and we were on a bus talking to some some Irish people who were probably in their 50s and 60s. And uh, we were just talking about society in general. And the, the guy was, was talking to us about generations and what happens. And he said, listen to me. It only takes one generation without God to become the worst society known to man. That's what he said. And Ireland, this beautiful country. Filled, uh, all of the downtown bars and gutters are filled with kids. The the marijuana tea rooms are filled with kids. Huge numbers of their young people have been sacrificed to some type of sexual deviance. They said it only takes one generation without God for that to happen. You know, in America, we always think because of her. America the beautiful, God shed his grace on thee. We're coming back. Tell you this, we keep feeding our kids to the sinful culture. We aren't coming back. We're not coming back. You skip enough generations of people who don't know God, and you have a society who is anti God. And uh, I think we see that it's happening right now. We have a society that is against our God with every fiber in their being, they're anti God. And it's because they want to make money off of this. Proverbs 5, verse 3. For the lips of a strange woman drop as in honeycomb, and her mouth is smoother than oil. But her end is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps take hold on hell. And this is fantasy land. It grabs you and says, wow, this is wonderful. Nobody knows about this. I can do whatever I want and get away with it and it doesn't affect anybody. The perfect crime, the perfect fantasy never happens. It's impossible. So for teens, number one, I understand that pornography is a sin and can destroy my life and my future marriage and family. And that... Is something that has to be considered Now it's tough for young people To put this in perspective right When you're 13 years old Or 15 or 17 years old It's tough for you to be thinking That far out ahead You know you're 13 and you're doing your homework And all of a sudden a beautiful woman Pops up on your computer screen You're not thinking oh this could ruin My marriage 10 years from now Right You're thinking we're mom and dad this is cool even Christian kids are thinking that. You say, Pastor, how dare you say that? You ask them. Um, see, see, society wants us just to say, you know what? This is normal. Oh, it's just kids being kids, right? Um, You're 14-year-old. It's okay. They're, how are you going to stop them from doing the wrong thing with the opposite sex? That's the way society treats it. It's going to happen anyway. Just let them do whatever they're going to do. Let boys be boys. Let girls be girls. How about let God be God? How about that one? How about let's preach the word and live the word and do what God wants us to do? And and so there's a truth for us. Look at Matthew 6. Matthew 6. I can guarantee you that your kids will think more about their future if you will sit down and talk with them regularly about their future. If you don't ever talk to them about the fact that God has a unique design purpose for their lives, they're going to think they're just an accidental blob on this earth that can do whatever they want to fulfill their own personal fantasies. That's what most kids think. I'm just an accident anyway. Evolution's true. I got here by accident. Might as well live it up and have fun and do whatever I want and enjoy the ride. But Christian kids should have a different perspective. Matthew 6 Look at this instruction by God. Now, I want you to note that this is in the same sermon where Jesus is about to say, Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Just a a little bit down. Look at verse 22. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness. So what it's saying is this. The entrance to your body is your eyes. Now your heart is the thing that's deceitful and wicked that drives it all. But the entrance to your body is your eyes. And when good is being seen by your eyes and heard by your ears and your senses are perceiving good, it's much easier for you to live out good in your life. But if your eyes are taken in evil, you can put on a good front, but you're going to become an evil-minded person. You're going to become a person who is degenerative in your thought process toward God's plan for men and women. And uh, and so we have to be careful on this one. Now, here's a a little-known fact underneath this one that I hope you'll think about. Many parents assume that only boys are affected by this trap. Many parents assume that only boys are affected by this trap. And certainly boys have an innate desire given by God for the right purpose to view women in a lustful way. Now, originally when it was created by God between Adam and Eve, it was a pure, wholesome, wonderful thing. In fact, God says in Hebrews 13, marriage is honorable and the bed undefiled. But then he says, but whoremongers and adulterers, God will judge. And and so there's a natural eye gate that has been given by God to men. Men are driven by sight when it comes to these things. But women are driven by, usually by touch or emotions. And so there are authors, and there are shelves full of books at the bookstore, and at the library, and at the magazine rack that pull in the emotions of women, right? And when you're reading this romance novel, yeah, the woman had an affair, and she was a floozy, and she did this and this, but I'm going to keep reading because I want to know what happens. Do you know that in your mind, that is just as much pornography as clicking on a website, in your mind, you are deviating from God's plan for men and women. This pastor, I just don't get this. You, you're saying don't go to the library. I'm saying be careful what you get at the library. Um, you have to be very careful. In fact, you know, this coming year, we're, we're really going to be promoting um, Christian books more in our home. There, you know, there are Christian romance novels. And some of them are wholesome. Some of them, I I I guess I've never read many of them. Um, Don't read a lot of Christian romance novels, but there are ladies here at church that do if you want suggestions. And I remember when I was a kid that the big lady who wrote all the books, she wasn't a big lady, I I don't know her personally, but Jeanette something, Jeanette Oak. And she wrote about love comes softly. And it was this wonderful, wholesome book. Um, And and you know what it left young people thinking when they read it, especially young ladies? I want to live out that plan for my life. I want to find the person that God has intended for me to be with for the rest of my life. And yeah, there's going to be trials and there's going to be hardships, but there's joy in the journey when I do it the right way. the opposite of that side is now the, the cultural phenomenon. And I don't even remember the name. And if you know the name, I'm not calling you a sinner because I did know the name when I walked in here. Something about 50, 50, what? 50 shades of gray. The new cultural phenomenon. Michelle Obama is on top of it. All the big stars think it's great. You know what it is? It's about a woman who is explicit with 50 different men. And it's just complete filth. And yet, you know, there are Christian women, because certain other women liked it, they'll go pick it up and say, wow, well, this actress liked it. I read that in Us Weekly, so it must be okay. How dare Christians think things like that? And where would we get our minds to the point where we think things like that? Well... It's when we begin to allow them into our eyes, in our ears, into our senses. Number two, for young people. I will be accountable to my parents for how I entertain myself, what I read, view, and listen to. Sometimes your parents aren't going to hold you accountable. And so Christian young people have to say, I'm going to be accountable even if it means I have to find a Christian outside of my home because my parents aren't Christians or maybe my parents struggle with these issues in their lives. I've got to find somebody to help me. And just find out what are they reading. And before they watch any movie, find out what they're going to watch. And after they watch it, find out what they did watch. Find out all the different things about their lives. That's how you can help your young people. Number three, and this I think is the biggest one. Um, really, this is the biggest one for all of us. Be constantly aware of God's purpose for you. Be constantly aware of God's purpose for you. You could read through Corinthians and find out what Paul said about this. He said, All things are lawful for me, but not all things are expedient. That means I can do it, but that doesn't mean it's helpful. And I'll tell you this. We are all susceptible to the realm of the flesh, to carnality. And we have to live out our Christian liberty to say, you know what? I please God because I want to. I please God because I love to. I enjoy making that decision because God's the only one who has a purpose for you. Um, My wife's nail guy is some... Cambodian or um, What are most nail people Thai Yeah that's what he is he's Vietnamese And she's been going to Walmart over there For for not this one but The other one um, For years and getting her nails done by this family So um, But she told me that he always talks to her About Buddhism And uh, he doesn't believe in it anymore But he always talks to her about What they believe And how that a lot of people just decide life's not good and I don't like it anymore, so I'm going to kill myself because then I'll come back as something better. And uh, really, that's the whole goal is nirvana, to annihilate yourself, to not have to come back again. And and so she asked him one day, she said, well, who decides what you're going to come back as? He said, I don't know. She said, well, if Buddha's dead, who decides? And he said, I'm not sure. And you know, there are billions of people who are Buddhists who cannot answer that question in their mind, and yet they continue to be Buddhists, even though they don't know the answer to the question. There are billions of people who are Hindu who have no true purpose in life, but they will walk down to that Hindu temple every day. If there's anybody who knows that God has a purpose, it is people who believe in the God of the Bible. We know that we have purpose. We know that we've been given a passionate purpose to live out in our lives by God. But there are instructions for it. Look at Ecclesiastes 12. And you have to kind of put this into perspective. This is a book that is written by Solomon in his old age talking about all of the emptiness he's experienced from the things of the world. He tried it all. Um, He tried wine, he tried wit, he tried women, he tried wealth. Chapter 1 and chapter 2 lay it all out there. He comes to the end. Here's what he says, verse 13. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of of man. Now look at the next verse. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. A lot of young people who, however, by accident, by temptation, by a friend at school, by somebody they spent the night with who knew where his dad's stash was, Whoever it was They got into this underworld of fantasy land And it's a secret And it is a harsh secret I tell you If they're a child of God And they understand God's purpose They want out You know the only way to get out To expose the secret It's the only way out the only way you can get out of the secret fantasy world is to confess openly to someone you trust who's a believer in Christ about what's going on in your life. And so I would encourage you to do that. Um, we counsel people all the time who struggle with this. And uh, there, there are people who've gotten victory over this area. Um, but we're all still susceptible. Yeah, uh, you say, Pastor, you... I'm not susceptible. Here's what the Bible says. This is a stunning verse. In 1 Corinthians 10, it says, Let him that thinketh he standeth, take heed lest he fall. Lest he fall. And of the numbers that I read you, of the people who are in their 30s, 40s, and 50s who have this addiction... If you go back and you trace it and you find out, well, where'd this come from? And when you were 40 years old, were you reading the Wall Street Journal online and something popped up? What happened? Well, you know where it usually happens? Well, back when I was around nine, 10 years old, I went to old Uncle Larry's and he was playing around. I went out in the barn and there's, right? The story's almost always the same. And what happened is a young person at an impressionable age. 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16 years old, about where it happens, right in that window, are exposed to this filth. And they never tell anybody about it, and it's a secret. And because they want to keep it a secret, they try to deal with it on their own. And here's the devil's biggest lie. He tells young people and adults, you can figure this out. You can get out of this pit. Just don't do it anymore. You can get out. Doesn't work. Doesn't work. He that covereth his sins shall not prosper. But whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. Proverbs twenty-eight thirteen. So there's hope for this. But this is a big trap It's a big trap And I hope that you're aware of it And I wanted to come in here with the right spirit towards you I love you I would do anything to help any person in this congregation Or outside this congregation With this issue Um, It's just a a staggeringly horrible thing In our society And it's growing leaps and bounds And I, I promise you Society's not getting better It's not getting better In the last days, perilous times shall come. What's the first one? For men shall be lovers of themselves. And men have stopped loving their wives so that they can love themselves in fantasy land. That's a big deal. It's a huge segment of our society. So I I want you to have awareness on this. and, And talk to your kids. Or if they ask questions even tonight, talk them through it. Let them know, hey, there are things that people do that are just vile and disgusting, but we have a different plan, and we have a purpose that God has for us. And I check back with them all the time and all the time, and especially if they get to an age where you give them any device that accesses the Internet. Any device that accesses the Internet, you better know what's being accessed and why. And he'd say, Pastor, you're an old thuddy-duddy. No, I care about you. I care about you. And I want your life to be what God has purposed it to be. And that's what you want for your kids too, right? You're not going to take your kids down to the sewer plant and say, Hey, drink some of the water down there. Right? There's not anybody in this room who would do that. But there are parents, because they put their head in the sand, who do that with spiritual things. Say, ah, oh, just, you know, here's the, here's the remote control. Watch whatever you want. Right? Ah, oh, go do whatever you want on the computer for a while. Don't do it. Bad move. Be careful. Let's stand. We'll just be dismissed in prayer. The children's ministry service groups back in here tonight, all the other service groups, going on and Open Gym will start in about 20-25 minutes for those who want to do that Father thank you for the instructions from your word Lord there's not one person in this room who is without sin we've all had thoughts that aren't right we've all had imaginations and desires that are ungodly and yet you have a better plan for us you have a path for our lives that is pure and holy and right. And I pray that you would protect the young people in this room for their future mates that you would, Lord, willing to have for them. That they would bring to that relationship a pure and wholesome mind and body. And that their mate would as well. We pray for parents as they guide their young people to these giant steps for the future. That they will not succumb to the pressure of society, many times to the pressure of their own extended families, to let their kids do whatever they want. But they will have godly boundaries and guardrails and structure to protect their young people. Take us safely to our homes, Lord. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.